Welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney. And I am Carl. This is episode 75, and we're reviewing Demon Slayer Season 2, specifically the Entertainment District arc. As always, there'll be spoilers throughout this episode, so you've been warned. You mean... We in the red light district. <laughs> I know the entertainment district is the uh, the, the clean nicer, way. Yeah, yeah the, the nicer, clean way of saying way it. Of saying Even it. though this season, I think, was far more mature than season one and Mugen Train. I think it was like far bloodier as well. No, hundred percent. Like when I say mature, I don't mean like sexual. I mean like Tengen has three wives, and there were a lot of big boobs. But then also there was a lot of like really gruesome deaths and blood and gore and just the whole thing was very very dark so yeah it's kind of an interesting season kind of ironic because you would expect something like an entertainment district to be lively and full of color but this was a pretty dark arc both in terms of cinematography and just the story that is presented yeah 100 percent. and before we get into that though let's talk about other anime like we like to do what what have we been watching lately? We've we've been slowly getting through Hunter Hunter. I think we're like seventy episodes in, and it's been great. Oh no, sixty episodes in. It's been great. We just started the Greed Island arc, and I just love the show. I I get why it's so highly highly rated and why it's many people's favorites because it's a really good show. <laughs> I think you just like it because you love staring at Gon's face all the time. I love Gon. <laughs> He's so great. I don't know. I just resonate with his character like a lot. I don't know. And then I showed you, or you saw on on Spotify, uh, I think the OP for Hunter Hunter, which I think so far has been Departure. The album cover is just of Gon's face, and it you've. Is. You've used that in some of your profile pictures, I think. It's just such a funny picture. And like <laughs> seeing it when we play your Spotify playlist in our car, seeing the album art pop up, it's like small enough where at first I'm like, what the fuck is that? And then I look harder and it's like Gone staring back at me. And I'm like, oh, it's that little shit's face. Like to me, I everyone knows I love male Sunday characters. Those are my favorite. But I also kind of have a soft spot for the lovable stupid characters. So like Okuyasu or um, Zenitsu, you know, perfect uh, case in point with Demon Slayer. And in Hunter x Hunter, that's gone. And he's just so, he's so lovable. Like he's very endearing. He's so cute. I love his character design. And I know people usually, I think most people like Kilua more than Gon. But I don't know. I just, I really love Gon. And like... I really also like Leorio, probably because he's the other stupid, lovable character in the show. Yeah, I'll say Gon is a very unexpected protagonist, um, even though he is he's with it fits within that shonen, I guess, group of shonen protagonists. Um, but yeah, I, I would still say Leorio is still my favorite. Um, and you know what? Kurapika has also grown on me a lot, especially after the... Uh, what is the I don't even know what the arc was called the the York New City arc the auction the, arc yeah yeah the chain user I don't know what you'd call it but which was intense and I think again watching that just made me respect Kurapika even more yeah he's an interesting character I I kind of wrote him off in the beginning as like the the least interesting of of the main characters but he holds his own I think after after that arc um, I also just finished maybe like twenty minutes ago. 
Um, I, I'm gonna get this title Unbelievable. wrong. Unbelievable! Twenty <laughs> minutes ago. Yeah, he ends jumping from one anime thing to another. Um, where is it? I literally just finished it. Sorry, give me one second here on mail. Here it is. Um, cautious hero. The hero is overpowered but overly cautious, which came out in fall 2019. And the only reason I decided to watch it is because my favorite guy, Yuichiro Umehara, voices the main character, Seiya. And I have seen clips of the show on, like, the anime subreddit, things like that. And it's a pretty, like, it's a decent isekai. I'm not, I don't usually gravitate toward isekai, but it's got a nice mix of comedy. Like, it's first and foremost an isekai, but very much also a comedy. And I thought it was pretty funny. I enjoyed it. It's only one season, 12 episodes. Um, I don't think there's like any OVAs or anything additional. So it was a, a nice quick watch and I thought it was fun. Have you been watching anything outside of what we usually watch? Nope. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Hunter Hunter, I think, was the thing that we kind of focused on this past week. Um, we tried to make a dent in Platinum End, although I think when we started it, we had gotten through five episodes, then we, we took a break from it for like a long while, and then we and watched it again. now we're 18 episodes behind. <laughs> no, no, now we're at seven episodes. Oh. <laughs> seven episodes watched out of a total of 18 that have been released, and I can kind of see why people weren't so hot about this series, just because nothing really sticks out about it, and maybe it's not what we expected from the creator of death note who who penned this series as well yeah and the animation is like really bad in certain episodes like it, it starts off great as most anime do but then you can slowly see the dip in quality as the show goes on and on but we're, we're still scratching the surface of this anime being only seven seven episodes in and i feel like every single week the score gets lower and lower on mal to 6.35 as of today so I don't know. We, we mentioned this before, but I am still very curious to know why it's not doing so great. So for me, that's my biggest driving force to, to finish it. That and, you know, I try to always finish as much of what we watch as possible. I think there's 24 episodes total. So I don't maybe there'll be a watershed event in the series that makes everyone be like, whoa, but I highly doubt it at this point. I wonder if some of the the lower scores that are coming in are simply from people expecting this to be another death note or like a reverse death note as we called it in our um our first impressions uh, episode for this season which is not this fall. season it was yeah, yeah it was fall, fall 2021 and i think that's like a little unfair i mean to be to be fair we we were definitely in that camp too like oh this is going to be reverse death note you know the main character looks like light um but i think it might be slightly unfair to compare this one for one to death note because it's not death note it just happens to come from the same creator but even still like there's just something lacking in this show so far like there i was hooked in the beginning and then like that hook went away pretty quick especially because it felt like they injected common writer <laughs> into something that <laughs> i thought was going to be more focused on like the the supernatural elements kind of like with your with death note Although it's becoming clear and clear that this is not at all a reverse death note. Well, we'll finish it. We'll uh, we'll share our thoughts on whatever 
um, end of season review we have coming up where we finally finished Platinum End and I don't know we'll see I'm just going to try to separate Platinum End from Death Note as much as possible and then just try to enjoy it as its own work which I think is how it should be enjoyed but with all that said let's talk about Demon Slayer because that did just wrap up like what a couple days ago and I know that Mugen Train the TV adaptation aired before this we are not going to talk about Mugen Train again We've already reviewed the Mugen Train movie. Um, that was episode 33 of Strictly Anime uh, about nine months ago. Man, it's been that long since the Mugen Train oh, movie came man. out. Because we reviewed it in, like the Monday after it premiered in the U.S. So if you're interested in hearing our thoughts on Mugen Train, um, tune into episode 33 of Strictly Anime. We will, however, briefly touch on episode one of the TV adaptation because it is original content that was not included in the movie. But other than that, I mean, it's Mugen Train again with some extra frames, not even extra scenes from what I'm understanding. It's just Mugen Train with extra frames. So for me... It, it wasn't worth it to rewatch the whole thing. I've already seen Mugen Train. I don't feel compelled to rewatch it. I'm not going to rewatch it just because they splice it up into several episodes. Um, so I pretty much just gave it the same score that I gave the movie, which I think is fair. Because again, there's no extra content. It's just extra frames. Yeah. And I think it was only seven episodes, which would make this season two a total of 18. Uh, it's... That's just strange to me because you would feel like a whole season should be about 26 episodes. Especially for an anime as big as Demon Slayer. Yeah. Although I, I get that maybe a lot of their resources and time were dedicated to Mugen Train as the movie. And so they only had ample time and resources left to do the Entertainment District arc. But yeah, I didn't bother with watching these again since it would just be essentially the same thing and I don't want to waste my time again watching like extra frames or whatever. Let's talk really quick about the whole concept of repurposing the movie as essentially half a season because I think we touched on this in a previous episode of Strictly Anime that may not have been dedicated to Demon Slayer, but now that we're talking about Demon Slayer, I think we should touch on this again. So sorry if you heard that previous discussion. You may hear some repeats um, about that, but bear with us. What are your thoughts on them doing this, especially knowing that the true season two of Demon Slayer only ended up being 11, 11-ish episodes? I say ish because I think the last one was like a slightly extended episode, but technically only 11 episodes. I mean... I can see it from like the animation studio's point, like that it it was probably overkill for them to try to do a full fledged season two that wasn't inclusive of uh, the Mugen Train arc because I I'm pretty sure like they announced season three the like several hours after the conclusion of season two and. I don't know if they would have had the time to to fully animate that as the second arc for this season two. I, I don't even know what the next arc is. Something about like a village or whatever. Um, but I guess the anime fan in me would have just wanted like a, a, a quick recap of the very first, like in the very first episode of what happened in um, Umugan Train and then move on to entertainment district arc and hopefully that that next village arc or whatever it's called yeah i i don't know like repurposing the mugen train movie in my eyes 
is like doing a big ass recap. Like that's what this feels like. And I do not like recaps. I think in this day and age, as I've said many times before with streaming and on-demand content, on-demand content, um, that there's no real need for a recap. Like if I forgot what the fuck happened, I'll just go back to the previous episode really quick before I watch this episode. And what's weird is that at least for Crunchyroll, the streaming service offers the entire movie alongside this seven episode arc ver- like tv version of the movie yeah so it's like double dipping yeah 100 percent. and and the movie's been out for quite some time we wait several months i mean we, we reviewed it nine months ago so we wait several months even longer for people in japan because they got it before us only to yet again have Moog and train broadcast on tv in japan and then simulcast out to us here overseas it just i don't know like i, I don't want to say it felt lazy i don't think that was their intent at all so i'm not gonna that's not my my thought here i think it's just um it's just like why we, we have the movie it did fantastic it only came out less than a year ago why do we need to have it again like let's just go right into the entertainment district arc and i'm fine with and the enter the entertainment district arc or the true season two in my eyes being only 11 episodes because honestly i didn't need more than that i think if you had any more episodes it would have felt really drawn out which it kind of would yeah exactly it kind of did at certain <laughs> points so i think having any more episodes than that would have been like holy shit this is taking a while um so 11 episodes is fine but like i didn't need to have mugen train again i just to me i i can't wrap my head around why they chose to repurpose mugen train as like the quote-unquote first half of season two when it came out so recently and if i remember correctly now uh the mugen train movie actually came out in 2020 in japan first and then the state of the world changed uh and, and so uh, I think Western audiences were only able to get the movie last year in 2021. So I feel like Affordable had plenty of time to work on the Entertainment District arc, and they could have squeezed it. I'm seeing it on Wikipedia here, the Swordsmith Village arc, which is now touted as season three of Demon Slayer. Um, they could have had like just a, a a quick break, not a quick break, but like a couple months break between this arc and the next arc. And that would have served fine as a season two. Yeah, and especially when the state of the anime industry is pushing your animators and your production team to meet unreasonable deadlines. Why again, like I just I need to understand that. I don't you know, at the end of the day, if I don't find out why they did this, I guess that's fine, but I just I cannot think of a logical reason that they repurposed Mugen Train. May was it just so that they could have that extra episode one? Like why not make that an OVA <laughs> or something? Yeah. I just, I don't know. I, I just completely don't know. Um, and I'm looking again at the schedule for Affordable. Like Demon Slayer seems to be the thing that they were working on exclusively between 2019 and 2022. And like, I'm sure they had to because they're making, you know, movie level production right. quality for the Mugen Train arc. So I, what I'm saying is like they they weren't trying to juggle different projects. Like they were working exclusively on this franchise save for one thing that's whose re- the release date's to be announced it's called girls work and i think it's an original work so i just I, hope it wasn't a cash grab i can't see them trying to do a cash grab by like hey this movie did so fucking well mm-hmm. let's just let's just put it out there again on tv like i just i don't know i don't know if anyone knows feel free to reach out to us we won't beat a dead horse but yeah we're, we're confused by what purpose 
rehashing Mugen Train as a TV broadcast. Like, what purpose that served at the end of the day when we could have just gone right into the Entertainment District arc. And if you really needed to see Mugen Train again, just go rewatch the movie. <laughs> yeah. Again, it, it's available alongside the TV arc on Crunchyroll and I'm sure other streaming services. But with that said, let's talk about the extra episode one of the Mugen Train part of season two, um, which I think that was all original content and followed the events um, before the Mugen Train movie actually took place. Um, we don't have a synopsis for it, but essentially what happened is Rengoku gets summoned to take on this meat train. And so he makes his way from wherever he was over to where the train is and encounters demons and eats a, gets the bento box and all that stuff. <laughs> that was a very nice synopsis. <laughs> it's basically <laughs> yeah, my synopsis compared to all of yours. <laughs> yeah. What is it? Um, so yeah, title of this episode was flame Hashira Kyojuro and Goku. I think it actually takes place mostly at the train station um, where the Mugen train disembarks from um and it's just him fighting a demon that was um harassing like a was like the bento shop worker and her granddaughter and i've said this i think in the fall impressions uh episode we did is that all this episode really explains is why rengoku was eating bento boxes on the train a hundred percent yeah that, that was my big <laughs> takeaway i mean to be fair there's the big takeaway about how rengoku's dad supposedly saved the old lady when she was younger mm -hmm. and she kind of sees him as like his dad's spitting image but we find out about his dad like immediately in mugen train and in the entertainment district arc so there wasn't a lot of like there wasn't a lot of hold time until that mystery was solved. Yeah, I think this was just put together to want people to come back to watching the Mugen Train arc. But for us, we, this was like a one and done. And then we waited, what, like six weeks until the proper start of season two. Yeah, and overall, like all I had in my notes was it was good. Adds a bit of context, but none of it is really super important or pivotal to the story. But that's the best way to sum it up. Like it was just a fun bit of extra context around Mugen Train and the bento box, I guess, but nothing significant. I don't even remember what the demon looked like at all. Like I have no yeah. recollection about this demon at all. Name, appearance, powers. All I know is that he shows up when Rengoku goes to like the, the actual train station place where they where they dock the trains and then like he runs really fast to attack the lady with the bentos and that's all i remember about this demon i have yeah. no recollection at all because he was extremely forgettable no that's pretty much the same case for me so well there you go so let, let's move into the entertainment district arc with uh good old tengen because there's a lot to be said i think about the actual season two of demon slayer all right, so here begins the real synopsis and discussion for Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaiba's second season, which is titled The Entertainment District Arc and based on the manga by Koyoharu Gotoge, which aired from December 5th, 2021 to February 13th, 2022. Directed by Haruo Sotozaki, with character designs by Akira Matsushima and animation, of course, produced by Ufotable, the arc focuses on Tanjiro and company assisting the sound Hashira Tengen Uzui as they travel to Yoshiwara's entertainment district where a less than entertaining a less than entertaining demonic threat looms over the lechery and frivolity. In episode 1, Sound Hashira Tengen Uzui, after completing his TV rewatch of the Mugen Train arc, 
Akaza is reprimanded by Muzan Jackson's young boy DLC skin and vows to kill Tanjiro for humiliating him. Speaking of which, our recovering redhead pays a not-so-worthwhile visit to the late Flame Hashira Hashira Rengoku's drunkard father and dreary brother and learns that he is in possession of the founding te- I mean the founding breathing technique, sun breathing, through his special Hinokami Kagura dance number. Tanjiro links back up with Zenitsu and Inosuke, and after completing their Demon Slayer rehab, accompany Sound Hashira Hashira Lil Uzui Vert on a mission to exercise Ludacris' favorite place, the red light district of Yoshiwara. So if I remember back in December when we watched this, um, there was a lot of crying in this episode. Oh my god, mostly so much from, crying. Yeah, Tanjiro and uh, I forget what Rengoku's younger brother's name was. Uh, and then, you know, just learning more about Rengoku's dad, which in contrast to that special episode we got about Rengoku in the Mugen Train arc, his dad was a former member of the Hashira and then kind of grew disillusioned. And now he's like a deadbeat drunk. But I think by the end of this episode, we do learn that Rengoku's dad did care about his dead son. And... His dead son. <laughs> didn't <laughs> right? care about Rengoku. <laughs> no, I, I, okay, I agree. And as you're talking about this, I just had some, like, this realization. If they were going to have an extra episode in the Mugen Train part of the season, why didn't they have it be Mugen Train plus an extra episode where it was actually the first half of this episode one? Because if I remember correctly, this episode one was an extended episode, like 45 minutes or something, mm-hmm. where, as you said, the the first half is kind of the the conclusion to the Mugen Train arc where they, you know, they give Rengoku's family closure. And then it like transitions into the comedic part where he meets, where Tanjiro meets back up with Zenitsu and Inosuke right. and they meet Tengen. So it was like this weird mood shift of super emotional and dramatic to we're back to the old demon slayer haha and it was so strange to me like i would have rather they they not have done the rengoku prequel episode one of the mugen train arc where he gets the bento box and instead give us mugen train and then the last episode instead be what was the first part of this episode so we'd have closure kind of like full circle during the Mugen Train part. Does that make sense? Like, just shift mm-hmm. this first half with all the uh, Rengoku closure shit to the Mugen Train side of things. Yeah. And then immediately start the Entertainment District arc with us getting introduced to Tengen. Why didn't they do that? Yeah, this could have been a perfect recap plus, like, slow introduction into um, the, the Entertainment District arc. But, yeah, they just packed this all into one, and it kind of reminds me of... Like the those two theater masks where it's like the comedy and tragedy masks. Yeah. Like they just put those together in one episode because that's literally what happened. Like you go from sadness to just all downright hilarity. And and that switch, that emotional switch, is so abrupt. It's just so abrupt. And like, don't get me wrong, I I liked seeing Rengoku's family get closure, especially his dad, um, and that his last words were passed on successfully to his dad, and that Tanjiro gets a lead on the the flame the flame the sun breathing technique sun breathing yeah but then it's just like it 180s and as soon as he leaves there and starts going back to um the butterfly village i don't know the fuck where shinobu's from where he stays with where kanao's yeah. at and he stays there and like those those little girls take care of them wisteria house or whatever yes yes um 
it's like an immediate 180 because the first person he encounters is the dude who makes his sword and gets pissed at him every time he breaks oh, yeah. it. So it's like extreme <laughs> comedy. It's not even like light comedy. It's just super sad emotional closure right into extreme comedy. And I thought that was so abrupt. It kind of like, it was a little jarring, not going to lie. Yeah, because especially there was one scene where it felt like watching a, a Looney Tunes cartoon. <laughs> and you're going from that to like a... A, a a scene from a family drama like there is it, it yeah there's no transition it's just here to there a hundred percent a hundred percent but i guess despite all of that um going into the latter half of this episode one i i was really hoping that this would be a zenitsu heavy arc because one he got less screen time in the mugen train movie than inosuke which is not not a, not a bad thing like inosuke got his moment to shine um, but two, I mean, he's going to the entertainment district, and you know how he is with women. And just three, I need more Zenitsu in my life. So I know some people find him fucking annoying, but again, I have a soft spot for the lovable, stupid character, and that's certainly Zenitsu. So he's he's my favorite character of Demon Slayer. <laughs> I mean, he did finally have some real utility in the later half of this arc, so that was nice to see. A hundred percent. I can't wait to talk about that, and also talk about my disappointment that the season ended so abruptly because I want them I'm most excited for the next season for Tanjiro and Inosuke to tell Zenitsu that he actually can fight he just needs to be asleep like that's going to be such an interesting conversation for them to have and I I'm I'm ready for it I want to see it happen because how do you tell somebody that how do you convince them of that um, and I think just the the shock that they get as they see Zenitsu suddenly really capable, but he's fucking asleep the whole time. So we'll dive into that a little bit more, but I am excited about that for season three. Um, we also got the uh, the whole spanking thing went from a meme oh, to God. an actual reference in Demon Slayer. So if you're not familiar, from season one, there was a meme where Yu was holding Shinobu kind of under his arm and someone edited it where he was actually spanking her. And then it became a thing with Tengen because he actually spanked one of the uh, the butterfly chicks when he was holding her under his arm. And I was like, holy shit, it's canon. <laughs> yeah, that's probably one of my favorite memes out of Demon Slayer, maybe just out of anime in general. Um, so it, it was kind of weird seeing that here. It was like a, like a meta reference, but it fits with knowing how Tengen acts. Yeah, and I know <laughs> it's so funny, like, People were upset about other things in the season, um, but I think we got we all got some good laughs out of the spanking thing just because it it originally started as some stupid meme, and then it was there. But uh, the only other thing I had to say about episode one, it's more of a question: Have Tanjiro and Zenitsu always been as swole as Inosuke? It was so fucking weird watching them training, and their bodies looked exactly like Inosuke's because that's not the type of body I expected, <laughs> you know, Zenitsu and Tanjiro to have. Well, they were going through like rehab during this entire their their entire stay at the Wisteria house. So true, but I I could see them being drawn as like buff, but less buff than Inosuke. But mm. knowing that they literally are as buff as Inosuke kind of weirds me out. It's like the face doesn't match the body kind of situation. Like, please never take your shirts off again. Please keep your shirts on for the rest <laughs> of the show because that was so weird to me when I saw the three of them running and they all had identical bodies to Inosuke. It was so strange. Well, they're they're demon slayers. They got to keep the right physique up. It's, it's kind of like, I guess, seeing Midoriya in My Hero. Um, with his shirt off and yeah, the, yeah the that face was kind of weird too <laughs> yeah, does not match the torso but like he at least had i don't know something about the midoriya one was less jarring 
Because, like, you you know, like, Bakugo and, like, Ida, like, they're all buff, and then you see Midoriya. But, like, he, that's the whole point is he goes from very scrawny to very buff through his training arc with All Might. Here it's, like, we had a training arc with Tanjiro, but you never saw his shirt off. So mm. it just, I don't know, it just came out of nowhere. And I was like, oh, God, why is he so muscular? It's so weird. Um, but it's fine. They they didn't show it for very long, so I got over it. There's worse things that we had to be subjected to in this season that I, I couldn't watch on screen. I think one more thing from this episode is we get... Of course, like with all the girls and then the the whole butt slap situation, uh, Kanao makes a cameo. Oh, yeah. And she's still reflecting on like what Tanjiro was saying to her, I think in the last season before the Mugen train arc about her not leaving her decision up to like chance. Because I think she always like flips like a coin or something. Yes. About making a decision. Um, but here, she, like she finally thinks independently of that. And makes her own decision to rescue. I think it was Aoi. Uh, <laughs> the girl's name? Yeah, no, I'm thinking of the Naruto song. Oh, Bluebird. Yeah. Aoi. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's nice to see Kano again. Like she's just floating around as a uh, another part of Tanjiro's demon slaying class. She's just hanging out, having <laughs> fun, eating naps. And you, I think you we're hinting that there could be a budding romance between the two. I think that's what they were implying in in that final scene from season 1 where as you just described he tells her to stop flipping that goddamn coin and think for herself. <laughs> um cuz she kind of gets all like flustered after he leaves. I don't know if he sees it, but I think she's starting to develop feelings for him. Um and I'd be down for that because I think Tanjiro is very precious and he deserves a nice relationship with somebody. It's just that Nesco needs to stop third wheeling at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding, Nesco is precious. We must protect her. Moving on to episode two, infiltrating the entertainment district. We learn that Lil Uzui Vert's three wives sent into the district for demon recon have gone silent and that he plans to disguise the trio in female courtesan DLC skins and sends them to different houses to search for clues on his wives' whereabouts although they should have hired better makeup artists. Inosuke overhears that one of Tengen's wives, Makio, has been feeling suspiciously unwell, and questions of her whereabouts are answered when we see her being held captive by a string of fabric belts. Though the real question is, how can Inosuke remember Tengen's wife's name so well and not Gonpachiro's? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what is it, every seven attempts <laughs> he gets so. it right? <laughs> he, he got it right once. Uh, in this season so well, it's nice that they have that continuity yeah we'll we'll save that for for that episode because yeah do you remember the episode because i don't it's episode nine so we will we'll, we'll save it for for episode nine i think now is a good time to talk about the op and ed because this, this is where it will uh it premiered so both the op and ed are performed by aimer aimer i don't know but starting with the OP, uh, the song is called Zankyo Sanka, uh, which translates to Song of Reverberation. And I don't know how I feel about this. I like it. It feels real jazzy and festival-like, which it coincides, or like it complements the theme of this being the entertainment district. But it is so vastly different from Gurenge from the first season, which is still one of the top bangers I've heard in an anime. I agree that it's it's not a fit for Demon Slayer, like as a Demon Slayer OP. It's a fantastic fit as a theme song for Tengen. 
I think uh, it matches yeah, his yeah. flashy personality and his intensity very, very well. And I know this is kind of like the Tengen arc of Tanjiro's journey, but it yeah, it doesn't hit me as a Demon Slayer opening. It doesn't hit nearly as hard as Gurenge. I completely agree there as well. Um, and and we called it when we when we reviewed season one of Demon Slayer, we we knew that it would be extremely difficult, if not impossible, to find a song that fits this show and mm-hmm. hits as hard as Gurenge. So maybe we just have to accept that every OP could potentially never be as good as Gurenge. So with that said, though, I mean, I still enjoyed this one. It it had a a nice feel to it, but I didn't I didn't feel like I was getting opened up to like a Demon Slayer episode. And, you know, since we talked about Hunter x Hunter earlier, sometimes I wonder why animation or, like, why anime doesn't stick with one theme if they know that it's a bop. Like, with Departure, all they do is change. Like, whenever the OP changes, they either go to a, a different verse of the song or they revert back to it later on. It still keeps it fresh. And I feel like Gurenge could have been that, like, could have served that same purpose um even though like i I see now what you what you're saying that this is more of a a tengen focused song and obviously a tengen focused uh op visuals in in this opening hey i'd be happy with gurenge being the permanent op of demon slayer i mean they did that with gurren lagan granted gurren lagan was much shorter um but it worked and it made sense and like you said hunter hunter is like almost 150 episodes and it seems like they're keeping departure so Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know but um it's not a bad song. Don't get me wrong. The The season two opening is not a bad song. It's fun. I enjoyed it. It just didn't feel like Demon Slayer. Although I will say my favorite part of this OP is just seeing Zenitsu as the only one of the trio who's continuously in the in like their courtesan outfits. Which matches the <laughs> show. And I'll definitely yeah. talk about that later because I, I thought that was brilliant. And then you have the ED again by Aimer. Aimer. Um, the song is called Asaga Kuru or Daybreak. Uh, I don't really pay attention much to EDs, especially with Demon Slayer, because I don't even remember what the ED for the first season was like, although I know that was performed by Lisa. Um, these are just images that are strewn across of the of the district. Um, rolls of fabric, which are in line with uh, the upper rank demon we see in this arc, um, Daki. And then shots of the trio cuddling <laughs> and Tengen also cuddling with his wives. But yeah, nothing really stood out about this song or this ED. And you mentioned t- this to me as we were, we, like I said, we have the OP on the anime Spotify playlist I created. And you pointed out that the singer, Imer, she has a good voice. It's just not, it doesn't fit. Like, going from Lisa to Imer is kind of like going from Stevie Nicks to Macy Gray. Imer, <laughs> and this is going to sound really mean, don't get me wrong. I like her voice a lot. I think it's it's beautiful. I think hearing her in the OP specifically sounds like she's trying really hard to keep up with the intensity, and the way that she sings doesn't allow her to do that. Yeah. It sounds like she's constantly out of breath. <laughs> like, or she's having like a panic a, attack. Like a falsetto kind of thing. Yeah, like it sounds like she's constantly having a panic attack while she's singing it. She's, like, pushing herself really hard, and it makes me nervous <laughs> when I listen to it. But also listen to it, because it's a good song, and she has a pretty voice. It's just... 
it's I don't know like something about it is like they're trying to make something happen here and it's just not clicking um but it's fine I can accept it at the end of the day the ED fine um I think it's a much better fit for the tone of season two especially because the majority follows the the major fight with the upper six demon but it's fine like visuals make sense like it's nothing that that stands out to me I'll probably end up forgetting it like I forgot the season yeah. one <laughs> no, yeah, yeah same here <laughs> and ED has to stick out for me to remember it and yeah it's not the case with Demon Slayer unfortunately but they're OPs and they're they're pretty good but on the flip side of things this episode too I thought was fantastic it was hilarious this this is old Demon Slayer. Like, I, I didn't realize how long it's been since season one until we got back to season two. And I'm like, I miss the uh, the title screen. I miss the title screen. Like, yeah, 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 that thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I don't even know how to describe it, but I miss that. Like, as soon as that hit, I don't, it may have hit in the first episode too, I'm not sure. But as soon as it hit, I was like, holy shit, we're watching Demon Slayer again. Like, this feels so good. And then the eye catch with, like, the swing noise. And then you get, like, you know, a still image of one of the characters. And then it does it again when, we, when we're when brought back oh, into the show. Oh, it's when the sword is, like, unsheathed from something. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. And I just, like, I miss that. I, I'm so happy to be back here watching an actual season of Demon Slayer. Again, I don't, I didn't mind Mugen Train. It's just, you know, like, when you get used to like the seasonal formula and then you have to like embed a movie in the middle it kind of takes you i don't know like it feels different like it's gonna feel the same way with the jujutsu kaisen zero movie or i'm thinking of like when pokemon movie the first pokemon movie came out and you don't hear like the the pokemon opening yeah it it feels like different like you know you're watching the same show and it's a well i don't know the pokemon movie one but um, for Demon Slayer and then I, I believe for Jujutsu Kaisen like it's a continuation of the story it's just a totally different format so like you miss out on those small things like I never thought I'd be so happy to see a title card or an eye catch <laughs> so weird um, but yeah th- this episode brought us right back to the heart of Demon Slayer this felt like like what we experienced in the first season because one of the things that really draws me into Demon Slayer is that fantastic balance of drama and comedy um, knowing that drama usually is like the, the majority of, of what we get, but there's good comedy to supplement that. And I wrote here my first note for episode two, what the fuck is wrong with this episode? It's on crack. And that was just like a great way to sum up what I was watching and just a, a great reminder of how funny the show is. I mean, a lot of it just focuses on the comedy of watching the trio, like basically like fish out of water where they have to put on the courtesan disguises and just learning about which of the three are like preferential in this district, <laughs> which I think was pretty much like in Nosuke, because a lot of people say that his his face has very nice feminine qualities. And Inosuke was on fire in this episode. I I just I think he is becoming more and more hilarious as the show progresses. Because here he like Tengen's talking about how how he's concerned about his wives and describing like the last situation or their last known whereabouts. And Inosuke just interjects by saying that they're probably dead. And then Tanjo's <laughs> like, dude, don't say that. And then as they were running through the crowd, but they were in their kimono or yukata. I'm thinking the kimono. Um, he was like hiking up the kimono like he was holding up a skirt because it was restricting his movement and then as they were watching the courtesan walk down the street he like comments that she's walking too slow and would get killed in a second in the mountains and just like that's where his (laughs) mind's at all the time and then you've got on the other side Zenitsu I think he was like a lot of the 
workers i think in his house just commented on how ugly he was yeah well even before that like i i just enjoyed seeing zenitsu and tengen's dynamic this whole episode because tengen has everything that zenitsu wants mm -hmm. good looks, skills and multiple wives like he the two of them just go at it um you know in, in the few times they interact one-on-one -on -one in the season and i thought it was it was really funny but to your point about how they look um once they get into their their outfits their whole getup. I, I agree. I'm like, why did why did they give Inosuke makeup? He's already he already looks like a chick, and then they take off his makeup and they all think that he's gorgeous. They're like, why did you have all this this stuff on your mm -hmm. face? You're more gorgeous without it. So I just thought it was funny that they did that. <laughs> and there was also that moment in the house that Zenitsu was in where he's playing the shamisen, I believe. Yeah. And it makes sense that he's really skilled at instruments because of his unique hearing ability but then one of the girls is like but he's sure or but she sure is ugly it's <laughs> like man what the fuck it was just so great to hear them you know hate on zenitsu's face yeah and then tanjiro of course um since he is kind of like a best boy he is also a best girl in this case <laughs> when he goes i think he's recruited to the yokito house and he's just working hard there um as he learns more about like the the lifestyle of these courtesans yeah he really was best girl and you could tell the house was like very happy to have him there even though they didn't want to put him on display because he was also considered ugly <laughs> or just like weird looking a very manly looking girl but the only other thought i had was that it, it was kind of strange hearing inosuke speak normally and behave normally um, sometimes I, I forget that he can maintain a certain level of intelligence and that he isn't always so animalistic and like instinctive so here, seeing him kind of make his way throughout the house was strange because he wasn't screaming the whole time. Like when he was thinking <laughs> to himself, like, where is she? Or like, why are these people acting strangely? He was talking in a normal voice and it's not normally what we experience with Inosuke. I think it was a nice other side of him that we got to see. Like he's not just this brash character who screams and waves around his two swords. Like he is, he is smart. And I guess you could call it street smarts, even though he grew up in like a, a forest or a mountain or whatever yeah same with zenitsu it's like when we see him asleep he does have these abilities he can be a formidable force it's just he's too scared when he's awake <laughs> one other note i had with this episode uh and this is kind of like something i like with demon slayer overall is that it, it takes place within a specific time period in japanese his history which is the taisho period um which i think was post world war one the first world war um uh, and despite this arc having or despite this arc centering about like a discretionary subject as an entertainment district i think this episode kind of gives you a lot of insight into like the culture of i guess oiran um and i i learned this like i i misinterpreted them as geisha but then i did some research um where I learned like there is a difference between geisha and oiran, which oiran are featured more in this arc. Um, it's that geisha are dressed more modestly, and their kimono are not supposed to be too flashy, <laughs> tying in with like Tengen always being flashy. But oiran, on the other hand, are supposed to attract customers, so their kimono are made to be attention grabbers. So. Oh, I never knew that. Interesting. Well, good on you for researching when you don't know something that's <laughs> happening in a culturally different anime, although you can't say the same about other anime, looking at you people with 
Tokyo Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like that's I was just curious why they were always calling it calling them Oyoran. I was like, wouldn't they be called Geisha? But now I know the difference. Like, and the more you know. Yes, so. it's important to research and understand these cultural differences. Um, but yeah, let's go on to episode three, which because it's a weird episode. Yeah, uh, episode three titled "What Are You." As Inosuke pursues Makio's mysterious maligner, Zenitsu defends a girl's honor as she bears the abuse of his house's oiran, Warabihime, which he surmises as a demon based on her foul attitude, and is indeed confirmed through flashbacks where she mercilessly murders the master madam and means to make herself Muzan's mindless mistress as Daki, an upper six demon. Zenitsu earns some gentleman XP in protecting the girls from the demonic damsel, but our boy is snatched away by her fabric belts faster than you can say BDSM. My only real takeaway from this episode um, is that I-, I was pleasantly surprised at Zenitsu for standing up for that one girl, um, especially because uh, Daki is pretty pretty scary even before Zenitsu realizes that she's a demon, although I think he has some sort of inkling just based on his training and all that. like He knows something's up, but that was nice to see him stand up for that girl because... I don't think we've really had that kind of moment from him in Demon Slayer as of yet. Like usually he'll he'll stand up for someone, but while he's crying and freaking out, thinking back to his first demon encounter um, back in season one with that boy, we first see him pass out and then he you know hits the demon with his sleeping ability. But here he's not screaming and crying. He's not whining. He's just mustering up the courage to defend a girl who's done nothing wrong. So I was like, that's that's nice character development for Zenitsu. It's promising. No, oh, yeah, it's definitely a moment of growth for him. Although the way I see it is that, yeah, Zenitsu's shown to be really timid and fearful, and it, it's amazing that he's holding his own against uh, an upper-ranking demon. But I feel like part of the reason he's able to do it here is because, like, there's a female involved, and he always wants to, <laughs> <laughs> like, he always wants to feel impressive around them. Although this female, I mean, she's a younger girl. I don't think he sees her in that type of way mm-hmm. as like trying to impress like a potential like girl that he could court. I think it's more just he feels bad for this this young girl and how she's being treated. But you're right. There are plenty of other times where he's motivated to do what he does because there's a hot chick involved. Yeah. <laughs> in episode four, tonight... Little Uzui Vert regroups with Tanjiro and Inosuke and tries to send them home because of the mission's difficulty level, but it goes over the pair's hot heads as they prepare for the oncoming boss battle. Tanjiro bids farewell to his house's Oiran, but she is subsequently swept into the seamless sashes of Daki, who subsequently cuts him off from his Nezko backpack, leaving our rousing redhead all by his lonesome to begin the first of many Tekken rounds against his infernal adversary. Okay, I know I said that episode three was a weird one. I think I meant episode four because what the fuck were those muscular mice? I did not understand what that was. I thought it was like funny at first, but then I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. Why is this here? What 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 purpose does this, does this serve? I don't know. I was just so thrown off by the mice. It was so weird to me. Yeah, I feel like you only see these mice a couple times in this season. And to make my Star Wars reference for this episode, it reminds me of when you just see porgs randomly in The Last Jedi, like just these random creatures that really, I think they kind of serve a purpose to the plot later on in helping Inosuke, 
but oh, I thought you meant the porgs help Inosuke. I was like, huh? No, no, no. <laughs> These muscular mice, um, like they help Inosuke out in the battle later on. But, but even that wasn't significant enough to introduce them. I don't know yeah. if it was just a way for them to pay, to like make a nod toward these muscular mice that showed up in the manga. But in the anime, they felt out of place and very unnecessary. And like, yeah, I got a laugh out of it at first, but then like they showed up one, once or twice more. And I was like, okay, I don't, I don't need these. This is weird. Like they just, they don't go into any context around other than their Tengen's muscular mice. And so I don't know, it's just strange. But anyway, uh, moving on from that, um, I found it okay. So I have a note here where I found it interesting that Inosuke knows all this info about the rankings, and Tanjiro yeah. had no idea. I actually don't remember this. What was what was that? What were the rankings? Um, the note I took is that the trio is currently at the fourth rank, um, titled Kana, Kanoe. Um, oh, and they, like the ranking among the, among the women their, at the house. I no, I think it's among the demon slayers. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and like uh, Inosuke was saying, like this is determined by like looking or triggering something on the back of your hand, and yeah, it was just weird that oh. Inosuke knew all of this. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that just attributes to his again street smarts or forest smarts. Whatever that is kind of call it. that is funny because you think Tanjiro would be the one to know something like that, but I one thing I appreciate about Demon Slayer is that Tanjiro doesn't always take center stage; that he's not always the one leading the pack or that he's not always the one with all the information there actually is a pretty decent balance between Tanjiro Inosuke and Zenitsu um and here's a, a perfect example of that so yeah I guess that, that's what my note was about yeah that is interesting that Inosuke knew that and Tanjiro didn't the only other note I have with this episode is I get Ufotable is known for their breathtaking accent sequences and there is a very graceful fight here um against <laughs> I put Daki's belt or her sash um, when Tanjiro first encounters her. So that was a visual delight, as there will be many throughout this season. In episode 5, things are going to get real flashy as Tanjiro goes through the shonen protagonist motions of being unable to fully utilize his Hinokami Kagura dance number against Daki. Inosuke stumbles upon her vast cavern, no sexual pun intended, filled with her sentient sashes that have laced up a number of victims in its sinister seams. Along with an insomniatic Zenitsu, they put up a fight against their fabric foe while rescuing two of Little Uzui Vert's wives until they are joined by the flashy fighter himself. And he says the episode title at the end. It's like that um, Leonardo DiCaprio pointing meme. Where oh, the name the drop TV. or the title yeah. drop? Yeah. <laughs> so it's cool that Tanjiro is realizing that he may be less compatible with water breathing than sun breathing. But big question here, when the fuck did he learn all the Hinokami Kagura moves? Especially when they established in the beginning of the season that the book that Rengoku's dad had was destroyed. When the fuck did he learn all that? Did I miss something? Um, I think there's a later episode where... Rengoku's father writes to Tanjiro. I don't know if that's if the writing included any of that. Although that was more of like a letter of reconciliation. Yeah. Um. Okay. Maybe I'll hold off. Then maybe we we get that answer. Maybe I just don't remember, and it's in my notes somewhere for the later episode. But uh, I feel like it's still unclear, and that could be intentional. Perhaps they want to save that explanation for later. But it just makes seeing. Tanjiro used the Hinokami Kagura moves like very confusing 
at this point in the story, but I don't know. I would say this episode overall had weird pacing. Like every time the fight was about to get good, they'd switch to another focus like Tanjiro and then Inosuke and then Tengen and then flashbacks. And I'm like, this is when I'd say the season started to feel a little bit long, even mm-hmm. though it was only 11 episodes. And and mostly it's just around the fight between the upper six and the demon slayers. And it just felt like, like I'll just come out and say it, it kind of felt like watching the Majin Buu fight. It just, it never ended. It was great every step of the way, but there was like this underlying feeling of like, okay, when is this fight going to finally be over? <laughs> I guess for me, it feels like the the tournament arc for My Hero Season 5, which we had to drudge through last year. Um, I think it's the next episode where I, I wrote in my notes like, how long is this fight dragging on? Like, it's it's again, it's amazing to watch the visuals, but like out of context, if I were to, if we were to have watched this um, in like one, like binge, like I feel like I would have gotten tired really quickly. I think what made it feel a little bit exhausting is that you get to this point where you think that there's going to be a shift um, in favor of the demon slayers, and then something else. And then something else. It's like just something else kept coming up that kept stalling this fight or elongating this fight. And that's fine a few times, but it was like one too many times that it mm-hmm. came up. So we'll, I'm sure that'll that'll be mentioned um, throughout as we talk about these next episodes. But I guess going back to this episode, episode five, I was like, let's fucking go. Inosuke finally knows about Zenitsu's abilities like while he's asleep. And the introduction was so clean. Because we were so focused on Inosuke that Zenitsu just sort of like slips in and then starts whooping ass. And I thought that was a fantastic way to embed Zenitsu after he was knocked out for so long. And Inosuke's reaction was great. He's like, maybe we should just make you sleep all the time. And we're all kind of thinking <laughs> the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure we just like all we get of Zenitsu's moves is just him zooming like a flash of lightning across like all the sashes. And it's nice because it's not like Inosuke is aware that Zenitsu is going to do this. So you kind of are in the in the same shoes as Inosuke because he just pops up out of nowhere. You're not expecting Zenitsu to make an appearance. You're not expecting him, or at least Inosuke is not expecting him to suddenly have all these abilities. So he just kind of slips in and surprises you. I thought it was very well done. I also like how as, as soon as Zenitsu steps into the battle, like you see a little snot bubble. <laughs> um, that comes out of his nose and then he's like talking in full sentences in, a, in like a more serious voice uh which i feel is a, a step up from last season where he was just reciting his move over and over oh again. my god the fight against that one spider dude yeah. where he kept interrupting zenitsu <laughs> then zenitsu had to repeat the yeah. move over and over again it was so good but yeah now sleepy zenitsu can form full sentences <laughs> well on the theme of zenitsu in the post credits thing the nin nin um i think this is the one where tanjiro says he'll have to let nezuko know about zenitsu pursuing three wives so i i'm like is this a nod to the fact that maybe tanjiro is cool with the idea of zenitsu and nezuko getting together because i ship them if you listen to our valentine's day episode i ship them if you haven't listened to it it was last week's episode go tune into that because it was fun talking about who we ship in anime, and I ship them, okay? No Interspecies shame. love. Okay, she is human, and the goal <laughs> is to turn her back into a human. 
but love transcends all, all. species <laughs> in the real world that's kind of questionable <laughs> this is not interspecies reviewers okay this is demon slayer I, I don't know i i kind of hope that that's a little breadcrumb to tanjiro giving his blessing to Zenitsu and Nesco getting together. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> and on to episode six, Layered Memories. Well, Tanjiro and Daki are still fighting and fighting and fighting. And Tanjiro still sucks at letting heads roll, despite his super scarlet Saiyan moment. But when Nesco swoops in to save her sibling's sorry skin, the plot definitely thickens, if you know what I mean. Wow. Yeah, we all know what you mean there. <laughs> That's clever. Like I said, the beginning of this episode, I wrote a note of, like, why is this fight just dragging on and on? And then you get Tanjiro's, like, berserker moment where his eyes turn bloodshot red, and you're like, oh, shit's, shit's about to go down. And then you get this epic version of his, his theme. Um, I think it's called the Kamado Tanjiro no Uta, which played during his fight with... Rui, that weird spider kid from season one. But I think he's close to decapitating Daki in this one, but then he can't. And it's it's such a dick tease. And like, okay, here we go again. Like, Tanjiro can't slice a demon's head off or like an upper rank demon's head off for the life of him. Yeah, I was like, are we getting another moment where Tanjiro is robbed of an upper demon kill? Because he didn't kill Rui. Is, was Rui an upper demon or a lower demon? I forget. Well, we know it's like he was part of the 12 Kizuki. So he was robbed of the Rui kill because Giyu came in and actually finished that one off. And then I'm pretty sure he was robbed of the uh, the fucking dude from uh, Mugen Train, the Konkorori dude. <laughs> what oh, is his yeah. Name? I don't remember. Because <laughs> wasn't he defeated by Rengoku? I, I don't think it was Tanjiro think... that defeated him. I could be wrong. Now I'm going to have to go back to the Mugen Train uh, synopsis. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, wait. Tanjiro did defeat. Enmu was his name. He did behead him. Oh, he he had the killing blow? I believe so. Okay. Then I guess he wasn't robbed of that one. But then, yeah, here it's like, is Tanjiro getting robbed of another, like kibutsuji demon kill obviously like you said it's a dick tease and we'll, we'll get to the actual kill when we get to the the later episode but let's let's acknowledge that this episode six actually came out the same day that attack on titan premiered and i don't know if this was intentional or not i don't know if they planned this when they decided to air like the the airing schedule for demon slayer but it was like the demon slayer staff at ufotable was like hey we know Attack on Titan is coming out today, but don't forget that we're still here too because this was probably the best episode of the season in terms of like the mm -hmm. the fighting and the intensity. Like the intensity was extremely high. Um the Rui fight was super emotional, but this particular part of this whole fight was super intense. Um Tanjiro looks fucked up. Like he just had, I don't know, a brain aneurysm or something. What what causes your eyes to bleed? I don't know. So, something's going on with him. Um, he finds out he's got a limit to his sun breathing ability. Nezko's kick was insane as fuck. Like th this was a great episode, and it's just so funny that it happened to be the same day that Attack on Titan premiered. Like I don't yeah. know if that was just accidental, <laughs> if that was fate, or if they were intentional about that release schedule. Maybe that was an intense day for all parties. I think. Uh... And I don't know if we've mentioned this, like Daki had a memory about 
it looks like Tanjiro's father as they were kind of echoing the same words. I don't remember the word, what the words were about like fighting and resolve, uh, which makes you think if Muzan's memories are embedded in her cells or in the cells of the 12 Kizuki. I forgot about that, but we do finally get clarification about Tanjiro's scar. Yeah. But I don't remember what that was. <laughs> what was it? <laughs> um, Rengoku's father, again, he wrote to Tanjiro, um, kind of apologizing for his actions, I think, from the first episode. Um, his He believes Tanjiro's scar is the sign of a sun-breathing wielder. But Tanjiro actually got the scar by chance. It was a burn, a burn mark. Oh, when he was a, a kid, right? Yeah. Kind of so like Todoroki or some shit. Yeah, there's some kind of disconnect there with the scar. Interesting. Okay, yeah. yeah. So that's the clarification that we got. Um, I, I appreciated in this episode that, again, Tanjiro hits a limit to his sun breathing ability because it would be way too convenient for him to suddenly master it in a fit of rage. Like he pushes himself past his limit and then he literally can't breathe or heal anymore. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Like, I I'm confused as to how he even knows how to use these abilities. But at least he isn't suddenly mastering them. Because I feel like some shonen anime, they use that cop out all the time. We're in like a, a very intense moment. Suddenly the shonen protagonist knows how to masterfully use the skill that they either never had before or had been um, struggling to, to you know, be good at. And mm -hmm. it's just, that's super unrealistic. So here they... they fix that by him hitting a wall and then he literally couldn't do anything else and then nezuko steps in yo that kick was intense <laughs> with her thick ass thighs <laughs> and the sound effect that came along with her hitting um Daki in the head is that her name Daki? yeah like that was fantastic just the timing of that the 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 way they showed it it was kind of like a pan up shot of the demon and then she just comes up from behind and I'm like, that was great. And mm -hmm. it was exciting to see Nezuko solo fight against this demon because that's kind of new. She's always been fighting alongside Tanjiro, but here she actually shows her skills as well as her growing plot. Yeah, and I know that was a point of contention um, in the community. Although I mean, whatever. Like, her body <laughs> shrinks. What do you think? Her boobs stay the same size when she shrinks into a little like little child? No, I was... People, yeah. People love mini Nezuko, right? And she's cute running around and stuff in her oversized kimono. But like, what do you think her tits are going to stay the same when she shrinks? I I don't, I'm not like bothered by the fact that her tits got huge because there's some logic there, right? Her body grew. She got humongous. Yeah. No, yeah. I was gonna so her boobs grew. Yeah, I was going to say it's just showing a transformation into her maturity, but it's also very dangerous here because it, it also represents her rage as if she's kind of entered like Hulk mode. Um, because of seeing her brother's injuries, but then she isn't able to contain herself. So, I mean, yeah, like everyone grows up, like our bodies change. I think it's just like if you were to take her current body and then just shrink it or expand it, I think her body as a whole will grow, but her clothes will not grow with her. So it makes it look like she's got giant tits because yes, technically she has giant tits, but the rest of her body is giant and her clothes don't fit her because they're not going to grow with her. So they're mm. super tight on her body. I don't know. I just thought it was a little silly to be like super upset about it. I, I, you know, Tengen's wives have big tits. Maybe you could talk about that more than the fact that like Nesco grows. And so her whole body proportionally enlarges at the same time. But I didn't hear anything about Tengen's wives' tits. I heard more about the fact that there were three of them, but we're not going to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, moving away from the plot, um, 
I think this is the point where they were kind of hinting to us that Rengoku's dad helped Tanjiro learn the sun breathing technique. Because mm-hmm. he said, I don't know, Tanjiro, I guess, said that Rengoku learned fire, or maybe his dad, I don't know. Someone said that Rengoku's, Rengoku learned fire breathing all on his own with only three volumes of text. So is that them implying that whatever sun breathing text was salvaged from Rengoku's house is what Tanjiro has been self teaching from kind of like how rengoku self-taught fire breathing from just three volumes tanjiro's able to self-teach sun breathing through any remaining volumes like that's the vibe i was getting here i'm trying to remember if rengoku's younger brother gave tanjiro something he gave him the well he mm. at the in the first episode he told him i have the books they're just all destroyed because my dad is a drunkard <laughs> <laughs> so i don't know if hanjiro was able to restore it and maybe that's how he the whole book wasn't completely torn up so maybe whatever was left of the book he was using to teach himself so it's not 100 cl- percent uh, confirmed as to how tanjiro learned this but i think what they're trying to hint at possibly here is that tanjiro is self-teaching the same way that rengoku did yeah because if rengoku can do it then tanjiro i guess can do it in episode 7, Transformation, Nezu Hulk nearly obliterates Daki and almost continues her bloodlustful GTA rampage on an innocent bystander until her big brother steps in to restrain and calm her down with his karaoke attempt at their mother's lullaby. Lil Uzui Vert shows up to finally make Daki's head roll, but her body regurgitates her own sibling, Upper Six Demon Gyutaro, who apparently didn't get the family's good-looking genes like Daki did. And so begins Tengen's Tekken tournament against the troublesome tag team. Um, the lullaby part was really cute. I'm just glad Tanjiro didn't start singing the lullaby. He was more kind of just like saying it to her because I would have found that extremely cringy. Like if he started singing to her and wasn't the he battle, singing it? He was like struggling to hold her down and more like saying the words, like reciting the lull- the lullaby versus actually singing it. And then that's when the mom came in in the flashback and was actually singing it to Nezco because that like triggered triggered her mem I can't talk triggered her memories. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was kind of bracing for impact. I'm like, please, Tanjiro, don't go into like full on singing mode. That is so weird in this part of the story. And he didn't, so it was okay. Yes, yeah, just seeing Nezco on a rampage here was scary. And <laughs> I wrote in my notes, "Don't do it, Nezco. Like this is gonna undo everything that Tanjiro has worked so hard for." But we see Tanjiro's brotherly, his brotherly characteristics uh, step in here to to soothe her, and like she shrinks back to her normal size and just goes to bed. I actually found it to be kind of cool. I I felt the same way. Like, don't do it, Nezuko, please. But I, I I thought it was cool that she started falling into the demon ways, giving into like the blood cravings mm-hmm. and enjoying destroying that that upper six demon. Um, it was a nice reminder that there's still this main overarching story plot of Nezuko needing to be saved that mm-hmm. she's still a risk technically there's a reason that the Hashira didn't want to keep her around there's a reason that she needs to have the bamboo in her mouth to you know suppress her demon demon ways or the muzzle whatever they called it and yeah I don't know I I thought that was smart it was a nice move it wasn't the focus of this this season or this arc but it was a nice reminder that I think we needed because we didn't get any of that from the Mugen Train arc yeah, I feel like Nesco was just more of a cameo in that arc. Yeah, agree. 
Um, the only other thing, and this is like something that pissed me off so bad about this episode, were all the people just standing there. I'm like, why are you standing there? Leave, get out of the way. There are demons and demon slayers fighting. You're all just standing in this room. Like, get the <laughs> fuck out. It's like uh, passersby when they see an accident on the highway. Oh my God, that's the worst. They call, they, <laughs> they create traffic. Gawk, yeah. <laughs> yeah, gawking. It's, I was like, get out of the room. Why are you all standing there? It was infuriating to me. I think that like just really stupid choices in shows, not like the writing was stupid just like characters doing stupid things kind of irks me sometimes and i'm like you are all scared of dying yet you are not choosing to leave this room when the fight's about to break out like what are you doing <laughs> but finally they left finally they all exited the room and then the fight broke out i thought the other weird thing with this episode and i don't know if this is just a way to extend the entertainment district arc although it kind of makes sense um on a like a metaphorical level with like sibling relationships is when Daki's brother Gyutaro just emerges from her. Like that just came out of nowhere. And that's what I was uh, alluding to earlier about when you think the tides are turning in favor of the mm -hmm. demon slayers, something else comes up. Right. And the, the, the dude was the something else. Like we're just going to extend this fight. It's something else is happening here. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, it was just annoying. Like before that, it was uh, what's her name, Doki. Doki. I can't remember who these these upper demon are. Um, when Doki, like you know, almost gets beheaded and then she doesn't get beheaded, or I don't know, like when they are when her sashes seem manageable and then they just like suddenly aren't anymore. Like just always something. So yeah, that was the something of this episode. Yeah. Again, we'll get more context uh, into Gyotaro's character later on in this in this season, but. His voice just makes me really uncomfortable, too. When he's like... <laughs> In episode 8, Gathering, as Tanjiro tucks Nezuko to bed and Lil Uzui Vert battles on against the Gyudaki tag team, we get insight into Tengen's ninja upbringing, which is a perfect tropey setup for his demise as the flashy fighter gets rocked with a poisonous cut from Gyutaro. The titular anime trio shows up to assist Lil Uzui Vert with a 2-on-4 Tekken round, where Tanjiro effectively uses water breathing against Gyutaro's slice and dice attacks. Tengen's third wife, Hinatsuru, launches a surprise wisteria-laced kunai attack against Gyutaro, giving the sound Hashira Hashira and the raging redhead a rare opportunity to take down Daki's abominable brother. But will they succeed? Since there are three episodes left at this point, probably fucking not. How I'd sum up this episode um, is stop talking and fight already. Yeah. I was like, why are we talking so much? Like one or multiple of you could be dead by now if you just stopped talking. They stood in that room where in the previous episode, I was like, why are you humans just standing there and not leaving to save yourself? They stood in that room looking at each other for most of the episode, even dragging it on past the eye catch which is usually halfway through the episode like that that was a significant amount of time standing and talking and i was like why why is this happening right now yeah i think tanjiro was the one who like we get his inner thoughts and he's like analyzing the situation and i was like just fucking fight although it is clear that a lot of the fight budget seemed to go into this episode so it's here's another thing where the timing of this episode coming out with Attack on Titan, the final season's pivotal Two Brothers episode, was very, very interesting. 
Yeah. Super interesting. Um, but we did have the moment where everyone sees Zenitsu's fighting potential. And I was like, let's fucking go. Everyone uh, knows yeah. now this is happening. <laughs> My dream of people telling Zenitsu that he can fight and going through that weird, awkward conversation, it's like on the horizon. So I, I mentioned this earlier that I wanted to talk a little bit more about how Zenitsu is portrayed in this, um, this season and kind of as a whole. And I think for me, I, I love the writing for Zenitsu because he always gets shit on but in the best way so in season one we learn that he can only fight when he's asleep and that he has only one move that he can do and then here in season two his weird sleep fighting ability is on full display but even when he finally gets some badass dialogue and is showing off his skills he has a nose bubble the entire time <laughs> while also being dressed as a girl in girl's clothing with makeup on and his hair and pigtails and no shoes on. So it's like it goes completely unacknowledged during this exchange and pretty much the rest of the season, um, th which makes it even funnier. But I just love how every time Zenitsu gets a win, it's always coupled with an L at the same time. <laughs> like here the win is that he's actually helping out the group. Everyone knows about his ability to fight, but the L is that he's dressed like that the entire time and he's asleep. I think it's just showing us that even as ridiculous as Zenitsu may be, even if it's like his his mental characteristics as well as his physical characteristics, he's someone that you should not underestimate. Um, the one thing I loved with his character in this episode is that Daki calls out the hypocrisy of the the entertainment district kind of treating women like objects, but then Zenitsu also accuses Daki of just doing the same thing to others as a whole. Uh, so again, this is another point where Zenitsu might be seen as this stupid comic relief character, but he does have logic and intelligence and is able to call out someone's like a demon's hypocrisy when they need to be called out. Yeah, I, I think uh, it, it's just like Inosuke, like him secretly making his way through the house in the earlier episode and needing to be very critical and we get his inner thoughts and it's weird to hear him think so clearly and so strategically, but there's a reason that these three characters are have so much potential in among the Demon Slayers. It's because they are actually smart, even if on the surface they don't seem that way. So yeah, I, I agree. I think it was nice to hear Zenitsu kind of have those great moments of dialogue. Although it was weird to think that he can have straight up intellectual conversations, like full blown conversations in the middle of a battlefield while passed out. That I think was like, that was, <laughs> that was where things got to be like a little bit of a stretch, especially in the later episodes where, you know, he's fighting alongside Inosuke and having like, he's pep talking Inosuke during those fights. And I'm like, Ooh, like he's technically unconscious right now. Like, I don't know. That's kind of, that's kind of a stretch. Well, it's kind of like sleepwalking. Right. Do people, when they sleepwalk, have full-blown intellectual conversations, though? I feel like in certain situations I've heard of that. Really? Okay, well, then, yeah. If, that, if that's a thing, then I guess that makes sense. It's um, just that he he doesn't remember after. Like, yeah. <laughs> in the last episode, I was like, why does everything hurt? He's like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> <laughs> um, the nin-nin in this episode was interesting. And there's a very specific reason why. Rengoku tells Tengen to take care of Kamado the yellow-haired boy, and the boar boy for me. And this goes back to our review of the Mugen Train arc where the three main characters, Tanjiro, Inosuke, and Zenitsu, literally knew Rengoku for like two hours before he died. They mm -hmm. barely knew each other when that whole movie happened. 
And so, yes, it's very, don't get me wrong, it's very emotional that Rungoku dies. And I don't blame the, the boys for, like, getting really upset and crying. But there's a small part of me that's like, holy shit, you only knew each other for, like, one, maybe two hours. And this just proves that point because he didn't even know or at least didn't remember Zenitsu and Inosuke's names even beyond the grave. Which, yeah, that sounds hilarious. But if you think about it in the story, that's that's kind of sad that you don't know these boys' names and they fought alongside you. Yeah. And again, like they, the, the four of them, well, the three of them plus Rengoku knew each other for just such a short amount of time. Such a short amount of time. It, it just like the believability there around the emotional impact, it, it felt a little less. I, go listen to the review episode of Mugen Train. You'll understand kind of our thoughts around that. Um, this just kind of, I think, hammers it home getting this this little neen neen after the Mugen Train movie comes out. At least Tengen give, gives them a little more recognition. I think he does it in this this episode. Um, but if you think about it, they don't really know Tengen for too long either. Yeah, 100%. In episode 9, defeating an upper-ranked demon. Spoiler alert, Lil Uzui Vert and Tanjiro did not succeed, and this episode's title is a fucking misdirect. With more flashy flashbacks to Tengen's memories with his wives, it's pretty much a given here that this man is not going to make it to season 3. Knowing that he's guaranteed to survive through the end of the series, Tanjiro picks up the slack and is fighting Gyutaro until Tengen tags back in and joins Inosuke and Zenitsu's double team on Daki, no sexual pun intended. Inosuke goes Texas Chainsaw Massacre on Daki's head until he is Julius Caesared out of nowhere by Gyutaro after he Luke Skywalkered Tengen's hand off, and Tanjiro is Hans Grubert off the roof by Zenitsu to save his life. Um, so this is the episode where Inosuke finally makes it back to a Tanjiro after a Monichi or something like that. I remember oh, what he said. <laughs> okay, so it was this one. <laughs> so I, I wonder if there's someone out there who actually counts every time Inosuke addresses Tanjiro by name in, in Demon Slayer and counts to make sure that it actually is the seventh time that it comes up in the show is when he... Was it seven? I can't remember. Is it seven I'm times? I'm pretty sure it's seven. Whatever the number is, like that when Inosuke hits that number, it actually is Tanjiro again. I, I'd like to think that Ufotable or the creator of Demon Slayer is intentional enough about that to ensure that every time you hear Inosuke address Tanjiro, it's always the literally the seventh time he says his name in the show that that's when the Tanjiro comes up versus Gompachiro or whatever he, he says. <laughs> What did you think about the climax here where we see the the two two characters of the main trio like close to death? Or like it, it's implied that they are almost taken out of the game. I thought it was a fantastic cliffhanger, but then it just kind of went to the wayside with the next episode. Yeah, I thought this was kind of like a cheap cliffhanger because <laughs> you would think plot armor and... Again, there's two episodes left, so I, maybe it could have gone both ways. But like you said, getting episode 10, you see that they, they get up anyways. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I felt that way about the cliffhanger from episode 10 as well into episode 11. Um, we'll talk about that when we get there. But yeah, I think it was a fantastic cliffhanger, and I was so excited to see the next episode. But then they are still able to come back into the fray in the next episode. Um, so it kind of discounts the cliffhanger we were left with in episode 9. Yeah, I think this goes back to like the the series wanting to escalate things to a point where like the escalation is just a bit too much. Yeah. Um and who knows? We don't we don't read manga, so we don't know if any of these characters do 
meet a terrible demise later on. But I figure at this point they've got pretty strong plot armor. <laughs> so. I know. I kind of wish, like, I, I almost wish that that Inosuke and Zenitsu were not, like, that, that there was no confirmation about their status in episode 10. That we just continue to think, like, oh, shit, are they going to survive? Because we all know mm. at the end of the day they are going to survive. There's that very, very slim chance that they would actually kill off one of the main trio this early in the show. Um, but I, I, like, I'm fine knowing that, yeah, plot armor will, will go into effect and they'll survive at some point, but I wanted them to drag out that suspense a little bit longer because the episode ends, episode nine ends with that cliffhanger and then episode 10 shows up and they're still in the, they're still in the fray. Like they're still doing shit. Um, so yeah, I I think it was a fantastic cliffhanger. There just wasn't the follow through or the continued suspense that we needed to make it hit as hard as it should have. Mm Mm-hmm. But we get a lot of cool things in this episode. I actually overall really loved this episode because Tanjiro shows us that you can combine breathing techniques. Did we know this was a thing? I figured that's a given, right? Like you can mix things together. Why not use that to your advantage? True. And I think just because all of the Hashira focus so heavily on their specific breathing technique, they never try to combine them. But here Tanjiro has two different techniques that he he can use. Yeah. I mean... Again, visually watching that was, was nice, and Ufotable always hits it out of the park in that regard. Um, but I had a, this, another note here. This fight's kind of dragged a bit more, hasn't it? Yeah, there's always that <laughs> something else that keeps it going. Um, but I thought overall this part of the battle was very intense where Tanjiro rejoins the the other two of the main trio for like a really cool coordinated fight where surprisingly Inosuke takes center stage. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was great because, um, again, it, this show has a great does a great job of balancing the main trio versus always giving Tanjiro the, the spotlight. And we see that because Tanjiro gets snuffed of the kill with Rui and then kind of gets snuffed with, like, Daki earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. So there's always that nice balance going on, which is why I'm so excited for Zenitsu to have his moment. I, I believe it'll come at some point, especially now that they know that he can fight. So I'm just waiting patiently for Zenitsu's center stage. But yeah, Inosuke did a great job in this fight, similar to how he did a great job in the Mugen train fight. I especially love that it's it's just him sawing her head off. That it's not like a so clean slice. funny. <laughs> <laughs> I did not expect that. I was like, what the fuck is this? Well, yeah, it's just because his blades, they look like saws. So it makes sense. But it's just funny. Like he's just hacking away at her. I kind of question, though, like, does this mean that Inosuke has officially beat an upper rank demon before Tanjiro? Because he does get a, her head off of her body. So that that technically is a kill. Well, as we said earlier, Tanjiro did kill Enmu during the Mugen train arc. Oh, duh, duh, that's right. I keep forgetting that. I don't yeah. know why. And plus, we learned Daki isn't dead here because Gyutaro comes, or swoops in and saves her while stabbing Inosuke in the back. True. Very, very true. Okay, so yeah, I don't know why I keep forgetting that that Enmu was killed by Tanjiro. I think I need to rewatch that part of Mugen Train. Well, it was nine months ago that we watched the movie, yeah. so you know, it's, my memory is not as sharp as as it was when we first watched it. But this is the point where I kind of I made a note here that it's going to take some getting used to listening to Zenitsu have so much sleep dialogue where he's speaking confidently. I kind of liked it better, as I mentioned earlier. I kind of liked it better when he didn't say much because it played into the fact that he was asleep. Um, here it makes that feel like a, a little bit of a stretch, but 
again, like it's fine. It, it served its purpose because um, I think it would have been more difficult to try and coordinate this fight if Zenitsu said nothing the whole time. Yeah, I just attribute it to a growth in his character development. Um, now that the show has established that he can fight while he's asleep, this is him, like us seeing that he can strategize as well. In episode 10, Never Give Up, it's Tekken round. I don't even know what fucking number anymore. I give up. As Gyutaro begins to Nagatoro tease the shit out of Tanjiro and eggs him on to join the demonic side of the force. Tanjiro responds with a nice old headbutt and uses a well-placed wisteria-laced kunai to sink back up with Lil Uzui Vert in taking down Gyutaro once and for fucking hopefully all. Meanwhile, Zenitsu and Inosuke gain second golden wind because plot armor and the four demon slayers achieve full synchronization in finally beheading Gyutaro and Daki to get their heads will fucking roll Xbox achievement until Gyutaro's body self-destructs in a last-ditch effort to ruin their Tekken Tag Tournament. And as epic as this episode was, I thought it was equally very frustrating to watch. I don't know if that was the same case for you, but my notes throughout this episode were just like, God damn it, just cut him already. Just cut through the bastards already. Do it. Just fucking do it. Can the trio just fucking kill these motherfuckers <laughs> no i agree it the fight dragged on i think this entire fight is seven episodes long isn't it it was like episode three to episode yeah. to ten six seven episodes like that is a long ass fight seven whole fucking episodes it's a long like it's something about this climax even though the fight dragged on a bit it was, it was definitely a, a spectacle to behold because no, yeah, it was gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. Ufotable can choreograph and animate fights like no other. Absolutely amazing to watch. Although the fire effects in the beginning with Gyutro and Tanjo's conversation felt a little 480p. That's my. <laughs> that's the only <laughs> thing that I, the only gripe I can pull out. Well, but, but something about this climax felt like a DBZ fight where they're constantly powering up and screaming and getting more bulky and more veiny, and you're sitting there waiting for the fight to finally end and hit that climactic point. It, like that's just that's the vibe that I got, and I actually tweeted out on our Strictly Series um, Twitter account that this Demon Slayer fight feels like when you keep inhaling to build up a sneeze, waiting for the actual sneeze to happen. Yeah, I was like, when can we just sneeze? <laughs> like, just let the sneeze happen. Um, but I, I think. Like it, it's a it's an internal struggle because I am enjoying what I'm seeing in this seven episode fight, but it's also a seven episode fight. Like it's just mm -hmm. that balance of like I'm enjoying it, but I also just kind of want it to be done. I think this is kind of like going back to what Tengen's all about. This is all just like flashiness. <laughs> yeah, and we're like we're enjoying it because it, it is a, it is a visual orgasm, but like out of context. It's like sometimes you just have to know when to stop. <laughs> yeah, um, I think, I think the only like major like the real gripe, the true honest gripe that I had about this episode, is one of the only things that makes me legitimately queasy, and that's broken bones and body parts moving the way that they shouldn't. Broken bones. I can handle a lot of stuff. Like I can handle a lot of like gory stuff, and yeah, I might not like it, but it doesn't make me actually feel queasy. But that does. And so I had a hard time watching this episode because they kept showing us close-up shots of Tanjiro's fucked up fingers while holding his sword. 
And they did it multiple times. And I'm like, why? I don't need to keep being reminded that his fingers are fucked up. I saw it happen and it was horrible. And I heard the crunching bones, but you keep showing me those two goddamn fingers. Like, oh man, it, just thinking about it like makes me a little uneasy. I mean, it shows you Tanjiro's pain threshold. Maybe that's why they wanted to emphasize it so much. Yeah, and like I get it. He he has incredible resolve. We've seen him in multiple fights throughout this show really push himself past the limit in order to defeat the demon and save the people that he loves. But this is like one of those smaller things where I'm like, okay, like showing it to me twice, maybe three times, sure. But it is constant. Like I felt like most of what I was watching was like close-up shots of these blue-ass fingers that look like bunny ears. And I just, whoo, I couldn't do it. It was it was tough to watch. But with that said, this season is much more gory and intense, as we talked about earlier, than, than the mm-hmm. previous seasons and the movie. But despite the the finger thing aside, I felt like it never crossed the line. Like, did you ever feel like it was almost too gory? Like, it it was not a Demon Slayer level of goriness? I think they definitely upped the ante in this season. I didn't think it was gratuitous, though. Yeah, same. Like, I still felt like it was within the realm of, of expectation for Demon Slayer. Yeah, we're not seeing, like, Angel Cop level goriness, if anyone knows what Angel Cop <laughs> is. One last thing with this episode... Um, we see Tanjiro, he's down and out yet again. That's the shonen protagonist trope that I hate the most. But I love how he sees a vision of Nezuko and she's asking the real questions. Why are you always apologizing? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I just like it because it's calling out. I think it's this is just a tired trope at this point. And you know what? Like I have to accept that this is part of like shonen anime. Like the the protagonist always doubting themselves but i don't know maybe this is just like with the the whole spectacle of visuals thing that sometimes it just can just be a bit too much when it's very much in your face especially in demon slayer now it was strange that nezuko got some lines like that's a very rare occasion that we hear her talk i forget that she has like an actual voice actress yeah Instead i mean of like a, she's, huh? she screams and stuff yeah. and makes noises but <laughs> I'm hmm. sure that voice actress was like, let's go. I get to say something for once in this show versus making noises. Um, I also love that the main trio took down the upper six demons together versus Tanjiro as the main character doing it. Again, I feel like I'm being a dead horse, but the balance here that we get among the main trio is very nice. And Demon Slayer, you don't always get that in some of the other shonen anime. Um, I, I was like, it's nice that they worked together and that they they accomplished this together. And Zenitsu's lightning moves were fucking cool. Like, they were just really cool in this episode. Um, just seeing him, how fast he can move with his lightning speed. At the speed of light, you could say. <laughs> I'm just glad the fight's over. Well, was it? Because then the demon pulled off a self-destruct mode. Yeah, but in the next episode, it doesn't really amount to anything because they're all just recovering anyways. That's true. Um, so this is like... Getting to sneeze and then breathing the sigh of relief afterwards. (laughs) But as we mentioned earlier, the cliffhanger that we were left with in episode nine that felt discounted because of the way it played out in episode 10, we get that again here because the cliffhanger is the bomb goes off and everything's Mm -hmm. destroyed. And you think like, that's it. And we're left knowing that like Inosuke still has the stab through his chest and he's poisoned. Zenitsu was caught up in something, I don't know, explosion or whatever. And then Tengen lost an arm and he's riddled with poison. But 
I mean, we'll get to it in the next episode, but that's all kind of like brushed under the rug in the next episode. Last thing I will say, though, the neen neen. The way they ended this episode with the demon blood explosion and went right into the credits while the dust was settling in that the entertainment district was so fucking cool. What just like what an eerie way to end an episode. But then they the, like they brought in the neen neen and it totally killed the vibe. Mm-hmm. They did not need to do that. If there was one episode that they could have omitted the neen neen, it was definitely this episode. I know they always do it, but they definitely could have and should have skipped it for this episode because it was weird it felt out of place i mean how cool was that ending just like that insane cliffhanger and all you see is the explosion and then you get comedy at the end of it yeah and i forgot like the the credits here you don't see the regular ed it just it's the explosion and you get the the white credits roll and i'm thinking like what if they just ended the season here like on this massive cliffhanger that would have been great but they didn't because then you go into the next episode and you find out what happens right away, or at least a week afterwards. Which I'm fine with because I hate cliffhanger endings, just because I'm impatient. I want to yeah. know what happens. But no, I, to your point, like that would have been like Code Geass level mm-hmm. cliffhanger, season cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah. But like you said, it, it kind of gets tainted when you throw in the humorous Nin Nin segment, which was what, like Tanjiro kind of wondering what happened to everybody? Yeah. And like, don't get me wrong, it wasn't over the top comedic but it definitely ruined the vibe of that ending i just like what just omit it at that point don't even don't even add it (laughs) it's like it's like watching the passion of the christ and spoiler alert jesus dies whoa come on man (laughs) and then you just throw in a random spongebob cartoon after that like i don't know it's just out of place and in the final episode for season two, episode 11, no matter how many lives, don't worry, folks, all's well that ends well. Nesco saves Lil Uzui Vert and the anime trio in the nick of time with her plot armor medicine as she literally and metaphorically carries Tanjiro on her back to find the decapitated heads of Daki and Gutaro, who are embroiled in a typical sibling argument in their final moments. Tanjiro pleads for Gyutaro to let his cooler decapitated head prevail as Gyutaro begins reflecting on his pathetic life after catching the ugly and realizing that Daki was his only bright spot. And the two make peace as they enter the gates to Dante's Inferno together. Obanai Iguro, the serpent Hashira Hashira, arrives to receive Lil Zui Vert's retirement letter as he recommends Tanjiro to serve in his stead. The news of which pleases Jedi Master Demon Slayer Kagaya so much, he nearly coughs himself to death. Akaza shows up for a hot minute, no closer to killing Tanjiro, but aware of the deaths of his upper rank brethren, as the trio responsible for their beheadings share a bromantic moment. Sorry, Ludacris, we in the red light district, no more. Enough. With the fucked up fingers, please. Mm. Please. I was like, I I thought we had it our fill of that in the last episode and then i feel like every time tanjiro needed to do something like grab something or like pat nesco's head it was always with the fucked up fingers and sure maybe he's right-handed and that's like his natural tendency but couldn't you have just left your hand down and then use the other hand i can't deal with the or fingers. just bandage it up so it's like wrapped oh god this thing about that makes me sick but yeah i was like why why do they keep showing us the fingers they won't go away <laughs> my question is how does nesco suddenly have this power Yep. Is it like um, a high like when she's I believe she's tried to stop 
Gyutaro's self-destruct move, and you see her blood demon art kind of fused with his. I don't know if that kind of caused her to create an antidote for this poison. Yep, I don't know. I have, no, I have no idea where. <laughs> like, very similar to how I don't know where or when the fuck Tanjiro learned the sun breathing techniques. What is going on with Nezuko here? Don't get me wrong. It's cool. I like it. But how does she suddenly realize that she can, um, like, uh, cancel out the blood demon self-destruct mode and, and heal people yeah. from the poison? I... I don't know. Like it just, it felt like a cop out. I'm just gonna say it. No, it, it felt did. like a convenient cop out for the plot. Like we're gonna leave you with this intense cliffhanger where you think everyone's pretty much dead, and then Nesco's gonna swoop in and just be able to heal everyone. And I did appreciate that Tanjiro thought about calling Shinobu because we've established that she, that's her forte is poisons and medicine and all that, but, but they, that she's too far away to, to show up. And they send the serpent guy instead, who's just- Yeah, this, what the fuck? <laughs> just a snide Shira. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I, I don't know. It, I hope we get like clarity around these new abilities that Nesco has shown us in this uh, season finale because I'm very confused. Again, I think it's cool, but I, I just I feel like it came out of nowhere and it was almost too convenient where they're like, oh my God, Tengen's going to die. There's no way he's going to survive. Just kidding. Totally fine. Absolutely fine. They bandage his hand up. The poison's gone. He gets up. He goes home. Like, I don't know. It just, it felt like a 180. And I guess that's kind of nice because I was expecting, as with Rengoku, that Tengen was going to meet his demise at the end of his arc. And we're proven wrong because, again, uh, Nesco saves her, saves him with, with her plot armor. <laughs> uh, but it, it's still the kind of the same result. Like, he retires. So makes you think, like, with the upcoming arcs, I'm sure they're going to focus on more Hashira. Is this just how it's going to end every time? I know. You and I were talking about this a couple days ago where we're predicting every arc is going to focus on, like, one or two new Hashira and then, like, the second to last Hashida is going to be Shinobu. And then the last Hashida is going to be Gyu to bring things full circle because Gyu was the first one. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm, I'm placing my, my money down on that bet. Although, and this might be slight spoilers, I saw an image on Facebook about how many seasons are expected in the rest of Demon Slayer. And there aren't a lot. So Because uh, the manga's done. It yes. finished in, like, the last year or so, right? Yeah. So I don't think they're they're gonna have like a dedicated season for the remaining Hashira. I think there were like nine of them total. So was that that leaves seven if Rengoku and Tengen are out? I thought there were twelve. There are twelve Kizuki, the demon. Oh god, I keep getting that mixed up. Yes, you're right. So upper six, lower six. Yeah. So I'm not expecting us to have seven more seasons, but there, yeah, there are still there are like a handful of seasons left um, in the Demon Slayer story. I am inter interested in getting to know the other Hashira. They all seem very unique. And so far, none of them have disappointed. I, I enjoy Gyu. I enjoy Shinobu. I enjoyed Rengoku. Tengen was a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of them. It's just interesting that there may not be enough time to dedicate total, like, total arcs to them. I think the next one, we're getting two Hashira, right? Yeah. So now they're just putting... <laughs> Putting them together, kind of like uh, in the office, uh, Michael's goodbye. He doesn't have enough time oh. for each of the employees, so he, he has to group them together for his goodbyes. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see that. Um, going back to this episode, the season finale, 
I have to admit that the siblings' backstory did not hit nearly as hard as the other major demon deaths from season one, like the Rui fight. Mm -hmm. And like, I think as part of that fight was like the spider lady that Tanjiro decapitated. Something about like their backstories or like the dude who, who could manipulate the room. Uh, when like Zenitsu was in the building. Yeah. 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 Like, for some reason, all of those backstories, I think, really resonated with me. And therefore, the fights resonated with me. I mean, nothing will top that Rui fight with Nezuko and, and Tanjiro. But something about these two upper six demons, I just, like, I didn't care as much. It's not to say I didn't care at all. I just, I didn't care to the point where I don't remember their names. I keep, like, struggling to remember their names. It's, it's, Gutro and Daki. Okay. I won't remember that, but thank you. Um, I don't know. How did you feel about, like, this climactic fight versus the bigger fight? Some of the some of the bigger fights that we got in Season 1. I mean, this is one thing that I appreciate appreciate about Demon Slayer is that they are humanizing most of their antagonists. And so that's another example here. Um, I think they were playing up like the sibling connection between Gutro and Daki and comparing and contrasting it with that of Tanjo and Nezuko. But yeah, looking back at it, you kind of already got that with the, the Rui fight in season one. I think what they tried to focus on here is seeing circumstance as a factor in how Tanjiro and uh, Gyutaro chose to live their life and how they chose to um, lead their siblings um, in moving forward, where Tanjiro didn't allow his family's death to kind of send him spiraling into a state of disarray, as we saw with Gyutaro. Um, Gyutaro kind of wanted revenge on the circumstances that led him to his lowly place in life. And as a result, he dragged Daki down with him. Whereas with Tanjiro, he used it as a motivation to keep moving forward, to protect the only family that he has in Nezuko, and to stomp out the evil that caused the harm in the first place. And I think you see that earlier, too. Tanjiro kind of reflects on the relationship between Gyutaro and Daki, where he's like, this could have been me. Um, and if I hadn't chosen the right path. So I think that's what they were trying to focus on here. But you're right. Like, it didn't hit me as hard, even though I was able to pick up on these elements. It may have been just because we didn't get enough of, like, the breadcrumbs leading up to this big reveal about their backstory. Um, I can't remember if we got a lot of breadcrumbs about Rui either, but there was this constant talk about family and siblings, and, like, we have to all be together that led into Rui's backstory to help understand why he thought that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think here it's just like we suddenly just got the backstory all at once. And it felt because it was a lot of backstory to go through, we never got any of it bits and pieces earlier. It felt drawn out. Um, and they felt, extended the episode, I think, for this reason. Yeah, so that just tells you it's, it's a lot to digest. And some of it felt a little try hard. Like they were trying to top the, the demon backstories from season one, especially when they got to the part where Again, I can't remember his name. I'm bad with names and titles anyway. So yeah, that guy, (laughs) the ugly dude, when he was explaining his situation and and started to say how he had to eat rats and bugs and whatever, I was like, okay, now you're trying a little too hard. Like you did, you, you hit the, you drove the point home earlier. You didn't need to add to it by being like, my situation was so bad. I was eating rats every day for dinner. Like it just, it felt like too much. Like they're really trying hard to top what they gave us in season one. Mm. but I, I feel like if they just didn't try as hard it would have maybe resonated a little bit more with me i don't know does that make sense like because they they laid it on too thick it actually hit me less hard yeah i think 
like uh, again it's just establishing sibling relationships but we've already seen that before so i think that's part of why it's not resonating with us so much now like it's it feels like a repeat just slightly altered yeah yeah i can see that um i guess some other takeaways from this season finale i completely forgot about the subplot of the demon lady trying to find a cure for nezko Mm -hmm. and requesting that upper rank demon blood from tanjiro until he actually went and collected the the blood at first i was like what is he doing i don't understand and then he said i'll send this to so and so so she can research it It was uh tamayo yeah the demon doctor i was like i forgot about that that's right it's been so long since season one that i completely forgot that that was a thing so i'm glad that we got that nod and that nice reminder that that's a whole thing going on in the background another thing is when uh kageya the the head of the demon slayers he he's ecstatic about the news that tanjo's debate uh able to defeat um, an upper-ranked demon, saying there's hope in the galaxy and fate's about to take a dramatic turn. But he says something about Muzan, which is interesting, saying that Muzan is the sole blemish on my family. And I, like now there's an opportunity to take him down. And I think we've always theorized a connection between the two. So that makes me wonder... Are the two of them related? Is this another sibling relationship that the show is trying to set us up with? Yeah, I know. I mentioned that in our season one review of Demon Slayer. I I think that, like, I'm placing my money on a bet that Kibutsuji and the Hashira leader have some sort of connection deeper than just being, like, enemies on the battlefield. I I thought it was... I also took note of that quote, like, you've been a blemish on my family for so long. You could take that as if he's saying... Uh, his family is the Hashira and that Kibutsuji has been a blemish Mm. uh, in that regard but it's vague enough where you could also interpret it saying that there's some sort of relation that Kibutsuji has to the blind guy again I don't I'm bad with Kageya Kageya (laughs) so yeah I I think that's an interesting little um, little tidbit they left us with because there's a lot of mystery around this leader of the Hashira also can't Nezuko just heal this guy by touching him because he's he looks like he's coughing and there's it seems like poison that's slowly taking over his face. I don't think it's poison. I think it's like a disease. It's like a terminal illness. Yeah, that's what I okay. think it is. But he looks way worse than the last yeah. time we saw him. Holy Which was shit. In, in the Mugen Train movie. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's not got a lot of time to live, I, I would assume. I, I would say overall, this season finale, um, I don't know. I was hoping for some more context around what happened after they got back from the entertainment district the the finale felt abrupt i was hoping for like a post credit scene or just something showing them returning and, and them reflecting on this whole battle that they had but it was literally them leaving the battlefield and then the season ended or it was tanjo just hugging it out with inosuke and zenitsu yeah and then just ended. yeah, yeah they're, they're all <laughs> leaving the battlefield um tengen is being carried by the three girls and then everyone's happy and celebrating that they're all alive and then it just ended which is Weird because normally we do get some sort of follow up in Demon Slayer about like mm-hmm. what what's to come next or just some sort of reflection on what's happened in that arc. So yeah, I just thought it was interesting they didn't do that this time. Well, which goes back to a point we were discussing um, at the beginning where it would have, I think it would have fared well if this was like season two part one, and then couple a couple months later we'll get season two part two, which is now 
season three with the the village arc um so that we kind of see that continuity rather than this abrupt ending where we don't get the the epilogue that we were wondering about and so that leads us to our final thoughts for demon slayer season two the entertainment district arc so how many oiran so far aways out of 10 would you give this season so i i'm like in the 8 to 8.5 realm because i feel like this is better than mugen train but not as good as season one i still think that season one hit the hardest that it just evoked so much more emotion like a wider range of emotion and built the story up so much nicer than what we got in Mugen Train and the Entertainment District arc. I gave Mugen Train an 8 out of 10, I believe. Um, I th- I think I'm going to go 8.5 because it is it is a, a step up from Mugen Train. I enjoyed it more than Mugen Train. So I'll say 8.5 out of 10. However, I, 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 I want there to be more than a very extended fight. I want there to be like more character development and more focus on like the Hashira and... The boys becoming better demon slayers and stuff versus just like focusing so heavily on defeating just two demons. I'm not saying that they should have been killed with ease. They're upper ranking demons for a reason. But maybe if we like cut the fight like in half or like two thirds of the length would have been enough versus the full seven to eight episodes that it took to take them down. What about you? I would also give this um, eight and a half out of ten. And I will say, like, a definite strength of this arc is the fight and action sequences, which Ufotable has always handled very impressively. But to your same point, like, putting it all together, it just makes this fight feel very drawn out. And maybe that's just in line with, uh, I get with Tengen as the sound Hashira. He's all about being flashy. So you just get all of these flashy moments, like flashing lights, 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 <laughs> to make a, a Kanye reference. But... Yeah, I'm hoping in the future with uh, future arcs that the, the story feels more organic rather than this focus on like either a, a, a particular Hashira or a focus on a particular demon of the 12 Kizuki. And it's hard, right? Because you can either have that or you can have things like in Jojo where it's almost like a stand of the week or I'm sure there are other shonen anime where it's like a, a villain of the week. I was hoping with Demon Slayer, like we loved season one because of how organic the story felt, um, kind of combining those enemies of the week with like bigger plot or bigger arcs. Um, but this one just focusing on the one one fight between or one fight with uh, Daki and Gyutaro kind of just makes you feel like wanting more and not feeling like you're just being dragged along for this was it like six or seven episode fight yeah uh other than that like i did enjoy the focus on the sibling dynamic um com- again comparing and contrasting between Chan- tanjiro and nezuko's relationship with uh docking Gutro's, although that was kind of just thrown in at the very end um it was nice to see tanjiro get another w against the kizuki demon so just seeing that continued character development although him making the jump right away to hashira as uh, Tengen had recommended, kind of seems a bit questionable if he's if Tanjiro's still trying to hone his skills, especially with mastering the Hinokami Kagura or sun breathing technique, and now that he's learned to blend the techniques together, 
Uh, I still feel like he needs to develop that before he can become a full-fledged Hashira. Um, and then the whole thing with uh, Nesco going into Hulk mode and having this sudden antidote for poison kind of poses interesting questions for her potential and if there are like these transforming qualities of her blood demon arc. So I would say all in all, it, it was a, gr a great season. Um, I, I just hope that it didn't feel me as burnt out at the end, even though like, I'm not like completely burnt out, but you know what I mean? Like it, it was just a little bit tiring. Yeah. I, I will say to your point that I'm glad we have more unanswered questions than answered questions. Like it left us with much more mystery around like all these things around Nezuko's abilities and Tanjiro's abilities and what's going on with Kibutsuji. So that, that keeps me fueled to want to know more and, and excited about season three. Um, but to that point, what what do you think about season three? We just got the promotional visual with two of the Hashira. I guess that'll be part of this next arc. It's the love Hashira, the one that everyone fucking cosplays with like the pink and green <laughs> hair. And uh, the mist Hashira. I don't remember this fucking character. It's some guy with long blue hair. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I saw the visuals um, for the two Hashira and I was thinking, oh God, two more two more casualties of <laughs> Tanjiro's journey. Um, but again, I'm, I'm hoping for the best. I'm hoping we're not going to see the same formulaic drawn out fight um, in the next arc. And that again, it's just something that feels more organic while seeing the trio and Tanjiro and Nesco specifically grow in their journey. I, I'm sure people are going to be super fucking excited that the love Hashida is one of the next ones because I think she is, she has a good fan base behind her. She's interesting. I'm excited to learn more about these two. Um, I, I did really love Tengen. I'm going to just come out and say it. Tengen was fantastic. Yeah. I, I loved him. his, his personality, his character design. Um, just everything about him was so much fun, which I think is intentional because he loves flashy stuff. But my favorite Hashira so far has has been and probably still is Giyu. I love Giyu. Who's who's been your favorite so far? Probably Giyu, <laughs> and I think it's because <laughs> he has elements of that Kudere, um, and I find that also in Levi Ackerman from oh, Attack on yeah. Titan. They just have that same cool brooding personality that I. I attract to. <laughs> and all this is possible because Giyu saved Tanjiro right. and Nezuko. And despite that, we still know very little about him. There's a lot of mystery around Giyu, and I'm excited to dive into his character. But yeah, I will say second to, to Giyu, Tengen has been one of the best. And with all of that, that concludes our review of Demon Slayer Season 2 minus the Mugen Train part because we already talked about that shit here on Strictly Anime. That train's already gone. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Um, I, I know Demon Slayer has been one of the biggest anime of the end of 2021 and the beginning of 2022, so it's been a lot of fun to, to talk about it, and we're excited about Season 3, and you're, you bet we're going to be talking about Season 3 on this podcast, so tune in. At some point in the future, when that review comes out, tune in for our episode next week. Thank you for tuning in to this one. And that wraps up episode 75 of Strictly Anime.
If you enjoy the podcast and like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash the strictly series and subscribe on your favorite podcast service so you can be notified when new episodes premiere every Monday. Join our Discord to continue the conversation. Follow us on Instagram at the strictly series, on Twitter at strictly series. Check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com, and you'll find more info on Strictly JoJo, our other podcast dedicated to JoJo's bizarre adventure. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb. The titular anime trio shows up to assist Luzui Vert with a two-on-four Tekken round, where Tanjiro. Tanjiro. <laughs> Tanjiro. <laughs>